This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios, in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. Rog, Happy New Year! Oh, you're back! I'm back! Back from the south. Oh, your voice, it's not like a tinny, crackly little thing. No, over the phone. You can, no, I'm here in person. You're bringing the treacle. Bringing the treacle. First, an apology. Yep. Can we apologise to all GFOPs about the Men in Blazers show this week? Well, well, well while we're at it, why don't we apologise for every show we've ever made? Yeah, but in particular, doubly apologise. <laughs> really, it's, it's crap every it week. It is, but it was doubly was it, crap. Was it any more crap this week? I want to make it clear, we didn't not talk about the football because yeah. Davo doesn't want to talk about the football because of Chelsea not winning do you no, Davo? No, no. no we're going to talk about that in full we didn't talk about the football this week because it was Rosh Hashanah I've D- never Davo, been happier Davo, for a Jewish holiday ever Davo won't work on Rosh Hashanah <laughs> yeah I was so happy that we didn't have to talk about Chelsea versus so Everton on Monday. It was the greatest he said, thing. I'm not going to work. I'm not on Jewish New Year. Deep sympathy. So we had to pre-tape the show. Yeah, ages ago actually. You can tell it's ages ago if you count the rings on Carl Martino's haircut. Yeah, Blackburn had just won the title. All I'll say is there will be full analysis in the cold light of day of Chelsea, Everton, United, Liverpool, uh-huh. all that stuff to follow. But I want I'm to not talking about it. I'm not talking about it. I'm not apologising for our show. I thought the show was. Just as suboptimal as anything else we've ever done. I enjoyed it. If you are a subscriber to Bulbous Tie Knot Monthly magazine, <laughs> it was probably one of the better. By the way, talking about our show, yeah. Abby Wombach and Sydney LaRue. Yeah. This Monday. Yeah. 11 o'clock. Uh-huh. Which would double the number of World Cup winners we've ever had in the panic room if the number wasn't zero. Wow. Before we get lots of people tweeting in so saying we, you can't double zero. We have, we have an infinite uh, multiple of World Cup winners. Oh, I can't wait then. By the end of Monday. Rog. Rosh Hashanah, Dave. Oh. Do you know what Rosh Hashanah is? It's Jewish New Year. It's a time to reflect on all your weaknesses and wrongdoings. Yeah. My resolution for the year, Dave. That's you ready though, for this? Because you do that for 364 days a year. So do you, do you do something extra special for Rosh Hashanah? <laughs> I really, I, t- I try and doubly think about it, Dave. Yeah. Here's my, my resolution for the year. Okay. To take less pleasure... Yeah. In other teams' losses. Yeah. Own goals. Yeah. And socially questionable defenders suddenly aging badly. Do you have that written down, JW? Because uh, we're going to be referring back to that, uh, that Russia shinner. I said try. Okay. I said okay. Uh, all I can say is, and what I realised this week, there's a quote that we often talk about because yeah. I love it. And you, you don't hate believe it. in resolutions. I know that we've talked about this before, <laughs> but you really don't believe in New Year's resolutions. <laughs> I, somebody, some listener will, will probably remember the exact podcast and exactly what you said. But I know that we've talked about I think it was the episode that was our special, our, our Do You Believe in Resolution special. <laughs> but there's a quote that I love about England that you yeah. hate, but I love it. Yeah. I thought that a lot about the actor Steve Coogan, who yeah. once said, you know, you can kind of sum up the, the, the quintessential English perspective uh-huh. uh, when he said that given the choice, the English take more pleasure in other people's failure yeah. than their own success. Yeah. Which is why I love America. But I realise it's exactly how I approach football, Davo, and I want it to stop. I have English friends and American friends who, who take much joy in the failure of others. I've never completely understood it on either side of the pond, uh, Rog. And isn't that the principle for the entire nation of France, Rog? <laughs> um, it was also your birthday, Rog. What's bigger than that? Oh, that Russia. must be a day that makes you happy. Rosh Hashanah, mate. 
It's crap. It's crap how many birthdays on that day. I've talked before about how the world is divided into two kinds of people, David. Yeah. There's those who love their birthday yeah. and must be fated with feasts. Yeah. And there's those who hate their birthday. And I honestly don't care about yeah. my birthday whatsoever. Or feasts. Oh, well, feasts. I'm not anti-feast yeah. per se. Mm-hmm. But I do like to bring some tums to yeah. feast. I read an article this weekend by my mate Rich Kerrin in the New York Times. Yeah, feast is my second favorite word for meal. I prefer luncheon is very much my favorite word for a meal. Yeah. Feast is right behind it. I like, luncheon I like tea and time. feast. Do we don't have in America tea time? Tea time. Yeah. They all sound good. They mum. sound appetizing. Rich Kerrin. Yeah. He wrote everyone has a sort of avatar, <laughs> a mental image of an ideal self that sits in the corner of your consciousness. Yeah. We talk so much about Rich Kerrin. He wrote a beautiful thing. My friend Rich Kerrin read yeah. it. Yeah, I love this too, Rog. Everyone has a sort of avatar, a mental image of an ideal self that sits in the corner of your consciousness. My avatar is 22, Rich writes. His hair is spiked. He wears torn jeans and a jacket like Fonzie's in early episodes of Happy Days. His facial expression is constant, mild amusement, unconcerned. Over time, the way you see yourself and the way that you are seen, the avatar and the reality drift further and further apart. Until one afternoon, you come around a corner, catch your reflection in a window and wonder, who the hell is the old guy covered in spots? <laughs> it is so true. Who's your avatar? I mean, on my, one of my favorite birthday quotes is from Satchel Page, the, the classic picture. He said, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? What, yeah. who, what's your avatar, Dave? How does Dave think about himself? What age, Dave? I'll tell you, see, I think that, there's, that what happens as you get older is that you can deal with what you look like from the front, but you start to struggle with what you look like from the side. I'm very comfortable with how I look from the front. When I catch the view of myself from the side, I don't enjoy it nearly as much. But the, in your own consciousness, yeah. how old do you think of yourself as? The Dave inside. I was 16. Still? Still the 16-year-old. Still the, still the 16-year-old where they would play, hey, Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Hey, Mickey, and I was Mickey Davis. The one with was, the white jeans. Uh, yes. Yeah, and a turned-up collar, popped collar. Because oh, in my head, the Rog inside yeah. is 73. <laughs> Suffering from a bit of arthritis. Yeah. Yeah. We're using a walker. Yeah. Probably got four tennis balls on the yeah. corners because that's kind of cool. Yeah. That's how I think about myself, David. Yeah. It's not that far away from where you are. You are closer to 73 year old Rog than I am to 16 year old Davo. That's the alarming thing. At Anna Anastasia, one of many to send in very interesting birthday insights. Happy birthday to you. Virgo is based on Australia, the last immortal to abandon Earth for Olympus. I feel very safe in that realm. She says she'd be a loyal. Everton fan. Thank you for that, David. I was in England last week. Oh, I love England. In your neck of the woods? Yeah, South London. Oh, what a place, David. Yeah, you're confused by South London, I aren't you? It. Have you this is in... the first time you've ever been to South London. No, I've been to Crystal Palace before. Yeah, from whence I hail South London. My mother, when she was a child, watched the Crystal Palace, which used to be located near Crystal Palace. Enough she watched, mentioned Crystal Palace. Yeah, she watched it burn down. It was moved from Hyde Park after the Great Exhibition. But she, was, she watched it burn down. She lived that close to it. That's oh. exactly where Mrs. D is from. Oh, it's an amazing catchment area for mm-hmm. a remarkable football club. We will talk about that. But one of the things that shocked me, Dave, I'm in the car from the airport to my hotel, had the driver turn on the radio. Both major sports talk channels yeah. were broadcasting coverage of the Flategate. Gate. <laughs> 
Oh no, are you kidding me? In English accents, I oh yes. yeah, Tom Brady, uh, Deflate yeah, Gate, yeah, Deflate Gate. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's literally, I couldn't believe it, there's literally no getting away from it. Yeah. At Jay Rigdon Five tweeted us to say NFL England sport of the future since 1998. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Tom Brady said that to avoid the media coverage of aforementioned Deflate Gate, mm-hmm. which is massive in England, he watched quote a lot of European soccer. What team? Do you think Tom Brady would support, David? Well, to many people who aren't fans of the New England Patriots, the New England Patriots are the personification of all evil. Yeah, I see where you go. He's probably so Chelsea, probably, probably, I'd have to say, many people who aren't New England Patriots fans would see it as Chelsea. Although, New England Patriots fans listening to this who hate Chelsea are probably horrified that I would even uh, make that connection. Come to the bridge. We will welcome you. <laughs> Wear your blue. See us through. Other sports news from America, David. Yes. Serena Williams. Oh, that was crushing. It was. That was crushing. And yet, at the same time, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And it's why I don't believe this is going to be, maybe it's a bit of a reach. Maybe a lot of you are not going to accept what I'm about to say. I don't believe that... Global tennis has scriptwriters, Rog. I don't believe that that was in the script. I think it was simply a surprise and it was nerves. And what's the amazing thing about top-level sport? You're watching arguably the greatest female tennis player in the history of the sport, certainly in the modern era, suffering from nerves. Serena, with all of that power, all of that grace, all of that ability, she suffers from nerves too. There's something wonderfully human about that it was almost a beautiful it was crushing to see her lose but there was something beautiful about it and for that remarkable Italian woman who then went into the final two Italian women in the final yeah the wonderful final and uh, Panetta won it and then uh, retired immediately having sort of won her first Grand Slam it was beautiful beautiful stuff PB Glazer tweeted us to say Vinci power rankings update number one Leonardo da Vinci number two straight in Roberta Vinci number three above the da Vinci code Vinci California the da Vinci code came in fourth yeah Veni Vidi Vinci went way down the list and we'll say Roberta Vinci the most poetic candid human post-match interview I've heard an athlete ever after that he said this is an incredible moment for me it's like a dream I'm in the final I beat Serena Mm -hmm. it's an amazing moment I lost the first set I tried to save every single point I try not to think about the match, about Serena. It's the best moment of my life. I'm sorry for the American people, for Serena, for the Grand Slam, but today's my day. Sorry, guys. No, it's beautifully said. Beautifully, <sighs> beautifully said. I kept trying to think what Andrea Perle, must have, what must have been going on in his yeah. little tummy as he yeah, was watching it. Fun. Yeah. He must have been blown away by the notion of an Italian coming to New York and being yeah. able to win something. And also something. good for tennis because uh, tennis has had a lot of bad press after... Krogios, the uh, Australian player, the awful things that he said in his match against Rowinka. It's good for tennis to have like a moment of grace like that. Oh, and I'd say I took some pleasure yeah. in the curse of Drake yeah. being even more powerful than the curse <laughs> of Rog, David. Uh, too much. Uh, BlazerCon, Rog. Oh, this we have some updates. This week's BlazerCon programming idea comes from at Red McCullers. Yep. Who said, you guys should have a slap booth at BlazerCon uh-huh. to let attendees slap a faux Ryan Giggs, Louis van Gaal style. Huh. Which is very funny because we just met with a, um, we've got these networks who were coming to talk about how they broadcast football. Yeah. 
and one of the networks came to us with an idea mm-hmm. that they'd put one of their most popular and polarizing broadcasters yeah. into a dunk tank yeah. and wanted Blazer Con attendees to be able to throw, I guess, is it like balls yeah. at a target and they'd yeah. fall in. I guess people know how a dunk tank <laughs> works. Yeah. So, yeah, again, at Red McCullers, you're, you're fairly close to where that <laughs> Exactly. You're not, not that far away from uh, the truth. But I will say we are elated to have Heather O'Reilly. Yeah. Ali, Ali Krieger. Yes. And Becky Sauerbrew. Oh, it's going to be amazing. As a huge, amazing afternoon panel of panels, I'd say. Yeah. Talk about the glory yeah. of this year and to look ahead. Yeah, what now? What now? Wither. Envision. Wither. Went. Those are the. Qu- that's how we write the panel discussion yeah, exactly. titles. David, yeah. a lot of withers, a lot, a lot of wences. And where to force. But really honored and honored to be able to have that trio in our midst. Midst. Wonderful word, midst. Not used enough. I'm Heather Mitz. I'm not. No, no, it's different. Spelt differently. Not sure we've ever used midst in the uh, podcast before. November 13th, November 14th is BlazerCon. Uh, go to meninblazers.com. Find out all the details. Buy your tickets. Can't wait to see you and commune with you in Brooklyn. Okay, Rog, we've got a packed show. We're going to relive Everton's 3-1 win over Chelsea in El Blazerico, Rog, and the Stephen Naismith hat-trick. Am I just dreaming? Am I still dreaming? Why are you laughing Heard when you say that? Round what, that's the world. incredibly demeaning. What? Say that properly. What with the respect you, that it deserves. What did you the tweet? The Stephen Naismith hat-trick. What did you tweet after Stephen Naismith's hat-trick? That I don't know why people are like so <laughs> shocked by it. It's happened thousands of times before. In, in my, your dreams. In my sweetest of dreams. <laughs> uh, the Stephen Naismith hat-trick, Rog. Let me try and make it Sorry, more casual. The requisite, Stephen Naismith hat trick. Really, we all expect okay, it. Let me read that in a more uh, in a more sort of casual way. We relive Everton's three-one win over Chelsea in El Blazerico and the Stephen Naismith hat trick heard of the mill, sort of round the world. We break down Manchester United's second half offensive explosion in a three-one win over the listless Liverpool, and we discuss the 90th minute winner that kept Manchester City perfect. Against Palace and Stormont Boots against Juventus. Plus, author of the New York Times bestselling Maze Runner Maze series, Runner. Maze Runner, joins us to preview this weekend's clash between Chelsea and his beloved Arsenal. God, the fixture list. The scriptwriters are doing it well this year, Rog. Okay, to the football. I'm scared. Scared of Guinness. Scared of Lexi. To the football, Rog. And uh, RIP to Moses Malone, a man who averaged a double-double, 20.6 points per game. Yeah. 12.2 rebounds a game. Over the course of 20 years, Dave, chairman of the board. The first ever basketball game I went to, professional game in the United States, was I saw the Orlando Magic beat the Detroit Pistons in their first ever game, their first ever season, 1989-1990 in the NBA. And I became an insane uh, Orlando Magic fan. Still am an insane Orlando Magic fan. The second, I got very carried away that Orlando were going to be Insane this redundant. great, great team. The second game I went to see Orlando play is I saw them play the Atlanta Hawks, who at that point were superb. And I saw Moses Malone play. And it's like, you know, we say often, you go and watch live football and the best player on the pitch stands out a million miles. miles. Moses Malone stood out a million miles in that game. He was a giant in every sense of the word I was transfixed watching him that's how I felt when I went to my first game yeah Washington Bullets Landover Maryland wow never seen a man like George Maurice before oh yeah but we'll save that for 
um, our other pod today <laughs> in Billy Crystal co-star. <laughs> yeah, we should do that. That would be really, really good. I'll tell you my Jack Palance story when we do that one, uh, Rog. Okay, we are now 5.38 of the way through the Premier League season. And with defending champs Chelsea, just one spot out of the relegation zone. Oh, everybody everybody wanted them in the relegation did, zone. Let's face did it, Did they Rog. really win the league last season? Yeah, they did. I champions got the, I got the champions of, of England. We know who we are. We were, I think, is the more uh, applicable uh, use of that verb, Rog. We're left to wonder if we're witnessing a collapse on par with the British Empire, the Ming Dynasty, or just Chuck Blazer's cat apartment, Rog. <laughs> or if Jose Mourinho will write the ship. That would disappoint everyone, Rog, if that's what happened. But what a great weekend it was for young debutants, Davey. For shocks, for unpredictability. And I guess for Jurgen Klopp to savour his managerial options in English football, for there aren't many. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, let's go right into it, Rog, for the weekend. You should go to South London more often. Everton 3, Chelsea 1. I'm going to say it as casually as I possibly can. Oh, like the result everyone expected. Do it with the shop voice this time. Everton (laughs) 3, Chelsea 1. The toffees thump. Chelsea. They thumped them, Rog. In fact, they didn't thump them. They thumped, thumped, thumped them, Rog, and delivered a score sheet that previously only existed in Rog's bedtime stories. A hat-trick from Scottish sensation. He's, he's, he's transcended the Scottish label, Rog. Stephen Naismith repels Chelsea from Goodison and hands Jose Mourinho his second successive Premier League loss for the first time since May 2006. Oh, David. Where did you watch the game? I watched it at Crystal Palace. That's weird. Well, I was there for making a film. Yeah. So I had to get there very early and get my interviews in. Uh-huh. But I was there and I watched it in a corridor mm-hmm. at Crystal Palace. Ultimately, with more and more Crystal Palace fans joining me and watching it as the game continued. But less about me, David. Yeah. What about you? I mean, if Fox News covered this story... They'd have a name for it by now. Something like Marino Damarung. Yeah. Or Chelsea in crisis, 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 yeah. crisis. I've been dying to ask you this, David. Yeah. What is your angle? Letting Everton batter you 3-1. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be some kind of yeah, trick. we're evil. A trap. Some hammer that's about to drop. I yeah. feel like I just unwittingly got pulled into some too-good-to-be-true Ponzi scheme. Yeah. No, there. Uh, I would hope that there was an angle. I think right now, Chelsea are just crap. There was a brilliant uh, article <laughs> I was reading... Uh, at the weekend about how do teams become crap? Is it that they all start, they're all miserable and they're all miserable and then they therefore become crap? Or do they start being crap and that's what makes them all miserable? It's the almost unanswerable uh, question. But Chicken and young eggs, yeah, little but there, eggs. There is definitely two things going on. Chelsea are both miserable and crap. Whichever is the cause, whichever is the consequence, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know but which that I is love more. What's happening. I don't know which gives me more pleasure or gave yeah. me more pleasure in the past before I stopped taking pleasure from these things. So the game, Davo, yeah. it started with one of the most psychologically fraught tunnels of all time. John Stones yeah. drawing the eye, leaning against the wall, trying to ignore the Chelsea lineup beside him like a confused, petulant teen yeah. with hormones buzzing. But that scene-stealing performance, it, it distracted you from the real story, the mm-hmm. Chelsea side of the tunnel, where 11 men lined up with the opposite of what one, what one would call a swagger of defending champions. Yeah. The opposite of a team that knew that this time last year they'd strolled onto Goodison Park and crushed Everton. They crushed them. 
6-3, Davy, and lead amongst them in that tunnel. Azamir Begovic. Yeah. Poor Azamir. Like a Californian condor. <laughs> a rare bird many once deemed extinct. A Chelsea second-string goalkeeper who will actually play some football this I season. I know, amazing. First time since Carlo Cudicini. Except he might have been the third-string goalkeeper when he was playing. Right. For Everton... Besic replaced the injured Tom Cleverley. Yeah. Cue huge amount of moaning from Everton fans before the game about Roberto Martinez's overly defensive thinking. Incidentally, huge thanks to the disgruntled Everton fans who flew a banner over this stadium before the kickoff, proclaiming your failures are your legacy. I thought those were Chelsea fans, Roger. <laughs> I didn't realise that was for Everton. Paul Carr blows your mind. Yeah. Didn't tell me this stat, but you'll know it off by heart. Everton are 2-0 and zero when protest banners are flowing right before kickoff. <laughs> yeah, I know, they're very good. They're very, very good with protest <laughs> banners. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I think Roberto Martinez is actually starting to... Fly them himself. Yeah. Just to key up the team, David. But I don't really have an angle, Rog, other than miserable and crap. What I would say is for the first 20 minutes of this game, well, the first, I don't know, 18, 19 minutes, I felt pretty good. I thought Chelsea were knocking the ball around. They were playing pretty good football. They were controlling what was uh, going on. The key moment, though, of course, Rog, was the injury to Besic. To Besic. mentioned Besic. Yeah. Yeah, clashed with Zuma in the ninth minute. Yeah. Cue more moaning from Everton fans yeah. when they threw Naismith on. Because yeah. all, all the Everton fans were like, what the WTF, Martinez? What happened to tactics? Yeah. Within eight minutes, Joy replaced all questioning. Yeah. There was Naismith, who looks like he somehow achieved the impossible over the summer, Dave, and got even more translucent. Yeah, hard to do. He looks like a man who spent his vacation in a salt mine. He proved without a doubt that what you cannot see, you cannot defend. Yeah. He started the move. He carried yeah. on into the box. He was not picked up by not just one, not two, but three Chelsea defenders yeah. who watched him head home the Galloway return ball. Yeah. And joy, Dave. Yeah. An uncertain joy, because it's a big mistake to score too early against Chelsea, right? It's a basic law of nature. However, I did immediately tweet, Rog, at that point, you can't score too early against Chelsea anymore. <laughs> that, that rule, you can no longer, this is official, I'm officially saying it, you can no longer score too early against Chelsea. It's not a law of nature. It's turned out to be just an accidental truth, Dave. Because yeah. denying nature, defying nature, yeah. Everton continue to press forward with their fast passing, their movement, their pace. Yeah. And the directness that's been off missing. The second goal quickly followed. Naismith rolling the ball home. Yeah. Like Paul Newman's fast Eddie Felsen with that kind of accuracy. Mm -hmm. And it should be noted, not a single Chelsea player pressing him. Ivanovic backing off Omar Gonzalez style. Yeah. Was it By like the way, to we... see Everton stroll through the heart of Chelsea's defensive well, gut say, again? The first goal was a remarkable goal in terms of it was a beautiful goal. It was a really beautiful goal. Stephen Naismith comes on. He's like full of aggression, full of vim, full of vigour, full of creativity, full of ideas. Beautifully taken Naismith's like he's like Scottish Rembrandt. He can only create beauty. It's a bunch of Chelsea defenders don't follow him, but you, you see when that run is that insightful. Zuma has his head turns. He's watching the ball come across. It's just perfectly delivered cross, perfectly delivered header. A goal you don't often see. It was beautifully taken. And that second goal, what exactly Ivanovic is doing, putting his hands behind his back when he's outside the area, Rog, you don't really worry about that free kick. He's outside the area with his hands behind his back. That seems, and so therefore he can no longer move laterally because he can't balance his enormous Serbian bottom, Rog. It's just, it is confounding to me. Oh, but when that ball went in, I got a tweet from at the real gigs. 
He says, I expect Rog to be curled up in fetal position, expecting the worst after going up 2-0 early. He probably won't, because no one's afraid of Chelsea anymore. At that point, were you afraid? Oh, well, I felt no joy for that second goal, I've got to be honest. Really? Why? Yeah, my pulse didn't quicken. I had, like, the, the cool of a Punjabi veterinarian who knows <laughs> tigers are never more dangerous than when they're wounded, David. Oh, yeah. I allowed myself a scratch of the head. Yeah. I mean, how did this team concede the fewest goals last season? They've yeah. now conceded more chances than any other. I don't know how that happens, David. Yeah. How many times have we seen Chelsea score that goal against Tim Howard from distance? Yeah, point. But Lampard left Chelsea a while ago, Rog. <laughs> it seems like a distant memory um, in every sense of the word, Frank Lampard. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I was shocked to see Matic, who's also had a terrible season so far. Everybody's then saying that, oh, Matic was the one player who came out of credit. Yeah, that was an amazing goal. Matic didn't have a great game for me for the entire game either. Um, but yeah, scored the goal. And then you think, standard Chelsea narrative, oh, they've got back 2-1. They're going to be fine. They're going to come out second yeah, half yeah. and all is going to be better. Yeah, I mean, that, what shocked me about this game, David, other than Matic's goal, it's like Chelsea know the one spot on a video game that's a cheat to score the goal. What shocked me is Everton didn't wilt against Chelsea Football Club. I mean, instead, Chelsea's defensive spacing was like Bill Gates' charitable in an attack. You look ponderous, you look slow, you look dull-witted, heavy-legged. Pedro was a non-entity. Yeah, I thought Pedro just ran around, did what he's doing. He's getting used. Pedro is doing what a lot of players who come into the English Premier League do when they come from the continent, Rog, is that it takes them a while to adapt to the speed of the game. It's yeah. just a very tough thing to go Who and needs do. Pedro Rodriguez when you got Stevie Naismith? Yeah, no, Stop the true. voting for the Ballon d'Or already, David. But see, all of those adjectives you use about Chelsea in terms of their attack, the word plodding comes to mind. This is not very different in terms of the way that Chelsea played when they were champions. Chelsea were never a team that like blew you away with their creativity, blew you away very often with the insightful nature of their passing. But what Chelsea had was a killer mentality, a, a mentality and a toughness that was befitting of the evil empire, Rog, that so many people see them as being. And the amazing thing to me is that lots of players in lots of sports, they lose with age, they lose their physical abilities, they lose their speed, they lose their touch. To watch a team collectively lose... Their mental toughness. That is amazing to me. Didn't that is what seems more so strange. than their mental toughness, David. They lost their will to live. <laughs> a poor little Pedro, by the way. But who needs Pedro Rodriguez when yeah. you got Stevie Naismith? Yeah, it's true. I mean, that third goal, that hat trick, the first conceded by a Mourinho coach team. Mm -hmm. oh, the three fingers he raised to the crowd. Business savvy. He instantly knew that that image will be sold in the Goodison Park shop for give or take the next three decades. Yeah. Everton fans taunted Jose Mourinho, you're getting sacked in the morning. Yeah. I was watching the game, as I said, inside Selhurst Park. By the time the third went in, there was a ton of Palace fans around me. One of them shouted out, Free one. He was a grown man. He had four children, his own children, right in front of him at the Selhurst Bar, shaking his head with such force that he slopped beer all over his youngest child. Oh, Naismith. What a man, though. It's worth slopping beer. He's, Naismith is the kind of man that's worth slopping beer over your old child. <laughs> At Sonny Powell tweeted in to say, Naismith looks like Gunter the Central Perk Barista in Friends. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that, but he is the greatest crap player in English Premier League history. Mm -hmm. An ordinary gent who delivers super hustle and is able on occasion to become extraordinary. I mean, he mm -hmm. struggled this season. On the bench, he almost moved to Norwich City on transfer deadline day. Mm -hmm. But then given a chance, he made memories 
I mean, it is, to me, it's as close as we'll get to see to watching Tron play out in real life with Naismith as Kevin Flynn stepping out of anonymity yeah. just to destroy the master computer program. Yeah. At CK Clarimer, Naismith hasn't trended this well since the invention of basketball mm-hmm. in 1891. <laughs> I know, very, very true. So at the end of the game, Rod, to sort of take you into sort of how I felt, I'm just utterly confused by Chelsea. I do think that there are periods with which I see the same team as I saw last season. Uh, I see some of the same players. I see some of the same, some of the same uh, physically. I see some of the same strength. I don't see the, all of the weaknesses in terms of their play. I see teams playing much better against them. I think we've seen performances, an individual performance by Stephen Naismith this week, a team performance by Crystal Palace against them, the performance by Swansea against them. Teams are playing superbly against them. They really want it. They're taking their chances. They are, they are being much mentally tougher than them. But I have no idea whatsoever what is going on with this team, Roger. Well, I said Jose Mourinho ended the game slumped in his seat with a posture that could only be described as Roger Bennett-esque. His <laughs> hair... Oh, it was matted with dirt and sweat and bits of old toilet oh, that's paper. That's why he's gone to the haircut. He's gone to the short haircut now, Rog. His facial expression, it was sadder than Sean Penn at the end yeah. of Dead Man Walking. He looked like a man in desperate need of a cuddle, David. Yeah. And believe me, I know exactly how that feels. Yeah. Rumours of a rift with a distracted Diego Costa. The legacy of a failed pursuit of John Stones undermining the confidence of the current bat line. 16 goals conceded in their last seven games. Yeah. One less than they did the whole of Mourinho's first campaign at Chelsea back in 04-05. All the stats, worst start to a season for Chelsea since a paleothenitic age. Yeah, and longer. Prob- probably most worrying, the highest any team has finished with a start like that is third, Dave. I'm suggesting there's a mountain to climb just to get Champions League qualification. I am the man for Chelsea job. I'm not under pressure. Pressure is being a refugee. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got the inability of this man to stay at a club into the fourth year, Dave. Are you beginning to doubt him? I don't know that this is... Look, I think we tend to overstate... I've said this before on the pod. We overstate the, the responsibility, the complete and utter responsibility of managers for what goes on at a football club. There are a lot of players, like the Willian that we saw playing for Brazil against the United States men's national team uh, a week ago, Rog, is so different than the Willian we see playing for Chelsea, even though he has, just scored, he has just scored against Maccabi Tel Aviv, which is a miracle, Rog. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a strange, strange thing, and I think there's a collective thing going on. I think that's why it's exponential, because it's a number of different factors all combining and multiplying against each other to put them in this situation. I still stand by my preseason prediction that Chelsea will finish sixth. When I said sixth, I thought fifth or sixth. I don't think they'll be a top four side. I don't think they'll continue to lose. They will not lose another 33 games straight in order to go and finish this Premier League season. Spoiler alert. There will be a, uh, a twist in the narrative. Man City won't be perfect for the entire Premier League season. But I think the idea of Chelsea contending for the Premier League title at this point just seems unrealistic. Oh, everything is going against us. Every shot a goal, said Jose Mourinho, describing pretty well the way his team's prospered in this part of the bus Champions League era. Yeah, no, it's exactly what Chelsea used to do. People are enjoying seeing me struggle. Fair play. Yes, yeah, true. One thing that's fascinating, we're so conditioned to seeing Mourinho as a master in yeah. control. Hearing him adrift, his throat reader. Is it less fun? Well, for the new me, yeah. I take no pleasure in it at all. Yeah. But the old me, I'd say it's disorienting. But for Chelsea he, to he, continue he, to be he's the fast evil becoming empire, the Portuguese Jurgen. 
Yeah. I mean, whatever happens in the coming weeks, David. Yeah. The remarkable storyline of the first 5.38 of the Premier League season yeah. has been the shredding of the British media's awestruck relationship with Jose Mourinho. As Freud would say, the most critical moment in a man's life yeah. when their father stands before them for the first time with clay feet yeah. and they gaze upon them with a critical eye. That's what we are doing to Chelsea. Yeah, there is something a little bit ridiculous about it. I mean, all champions go through moments of, uh, you know, struggles with form. And, you know, this might seem more dramatic than before, but actually it's not. There are lots of champion players. There are lots of champion teams that go on losing streaks. And look, Chelsea, just a few months ago, in this same calendar year, Chelsea won the Premier League title. They won, you know, way more important, obviously, Roger the Capital won Cup of the Cup Cup. Uh, And so it's a little bit too early to write them off as a team, to write Mourinho off as a manager. What I would say is that Chelsea aren't going to completely go away. People don't want Chelsea to completely go away because the Premier League needs a villain. The Premier League has the perfect villain in terms of, for the narrative, in terms of Chelsea and Jose Mourinho. If they're just crap and miserable all season, I don't think it's going to be nearly as much fun, and they won't be. But well done, Premier League scriptwriters. Yeah. Arsene Good opening. Wenger Good opening. And Arsenal lay await next Saturday. Oh, well done. What perfect states for the Frenchman to try and not only get his first league win ever against Jose, but to inflict a back-breaking defeat, Mortal Kombat style. Yeah. You can almost hear a deep voice command, finish him. Yeah. But I'll say, now everyone's crushing Chelsea, David. And the other way, by the way, Rog, what an opportunity for Chelsea to change the narrative that a team that everybody thinks are complete crap, lead amongst those people, Arsenal fans who believe that Chelsea are more crap than anyone else, if Chelsea do happen to win this game, it starts to rewrite what everybody thinks about where we are in the Premier League this season. But I'll just say, Arsenal fans, if you do win, now everyone's crushing Chelsea. It does feel, as an Everton fan, I say, it feels a bit less special. Yeah. They're putting out for everyone. <laughs> they really. Are. By the way, can we talk about Everton? Yeah. Because all the post-match press was about Chelsea's Always decline. is, and Everton played great. They were fantastic on yeah. this day. What a thrill to see mm-hmm. the bat line. Brendan Galloway, 19. Yeah. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. John Stones. Mm-hmm. More than a football player, said Roberto Martinez, and he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, Roberto has been telling us Stones is a future England captain since we spent the summer with him in Brazil. But Stones has, I mean, he's become a symbol of Everton's defiance. And that Cruyff turn on Diego Costa in Everton's box. I, I cut a video of that gifting over and over to a soundtrack of Elvis Costello's I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea, David. But the day belongs to Nacy. Wayne Rooney, Harry Kane, Danny Ings, Memphis, Raheem Sterling, Wilfred Boney, Diego Costa, and Eden Hazard. You yeah. combine all of their goals this season, David. Yeah. Nacy's got more than you. That's amazing. At Dickie Bubio tweeted, which is sweeter? A hat-trick from Scottish Messi or three JT own goals? Huh. Well, the new you <laughs> yeah, would say. have to say the Naismith, <laughs> uh, Naismith hat-trick. Until I... this week, I would have said three JT own goals. But because of the new Schadenfreude policy, Rosh Hashanah's put into effect. Yeah. Because I previously couldn't have envisaged the notion of a Naismith hat-trick. It's like space going on forever. Yeah. It's impossible to visualise until Saturday. I've turned over a new leaf. I've got to go. I've got to go Nacy. Yeah, I thought Naismith's hat-trick was phenomenal. I thought John Stone's performance, just mentally with what he's been through and the way he's been uh, treated by some sections of the Everton faithful. And somebody else who deserves a lot of credit, Roberto Martinez. Rog, this has been a trying transfer window for him. This has been a trying um, you know, year for him, frankly, as Everton uh, manager. And I thought he won the tactical battle, like, absolutely. And uh, superbly done. Really N- impressive. Nice me and I have the same birthday, David. You do? September Does he somebody lo- I see him as somebody who probably enjoys his birthday. No. <laughs> I think he probably likes a feast. 
of, uh, oh, of sorts, Rog. Never have horoscopes proven to be so wrong. Horoscopes aren't real, Rog. I th- I'm breaking Come news on, here. Don't take it away from me. I tell you, one of us is me, suboptimal. The other, Nobody understands how creative and intelligent you are. Churchill, Kate Bush is a great yeah. bit. That's how I'd rank him. Okay. Uh, Rog, in honour of his performance, the GFOPs at EA Sports, what a great idea, FIFA, have given us... 10 Stephen Naismith FIFA Ultimate Team. It's almost a whole team in Stephen Naismith. Team of the Week items to pass on to you. Just tweet us with your gamer tag gaming system and the hashtag you cannot mark what you cannot see. We'll pick 10 winners at random this Friday. This is part of the very first FIFA 16 Team O the Week. And they're going with the big guns in that first team. Yeah. Stephen Nacy. Yeah. Chelsea weren't the only team to uh, vastly disappoint their fans, Rog, this weekend. I was, I was uh, shocked reading John Green's Twitter during this game. Go back in his timeline and read it. It's very, very funny. Man United 3, Liverpool 1, Rog. United win convincingly in the 193rd meeting between these totems of English football. A daily blint blast and a Herrera penalty and a slaloming run and finish from teenage debutante, or as John Green called him, that child, Anthony (laughs) Martial, give United the points and move them into third place. That child. What what a fascinating game, David. Yeah. I mean, what a sense of decline the drumbeat was going into this game. Former Liverpool star Steve McManaman captured um, the whole ethos. He said, something's missing with these two sides. He said, both clubs have lost a lot of their identity. And the two former giants remind me of the feeling I have whenever I see Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick right now. (laughs) They used to be so amazing. They just feel lesser, despite the amount of work they've had done to themselves. I mean, United and Liverpool spent over a billion dollars combined on players in the last three years. But the the tenor of this whole game was set up by the pre-match handshake between the two managers. Two men have rarely missed with their handshakes more, both grasping sadly at each other's wrists. Yeah. Handshake like their team's form, desperate, phony, hopeless. Mm-hmm. But the massive scrutiny going into it was United. Yeah. The storyline, Dave, stories leaking out of Old Trafford talking about player discontent with LVG's dictatorial regime, his inflexible yeah. training, tactical risk mitigation. United players feel like robots, yeah. screamed the Daily Mail. Yeah. It's oh, nothing more robotic, though, last week than hearing LVG chant this in Manchester United's pre-game press conference. Louis from Carl's Army! Louis from Carl's Army! <laughs> that was amazing stuff. Even, even by his standards, this was remarkable, Rog. I could, I could listen to that all night. It's like, yeah. it's like ED209 mm-hmm. and Robocop. My favourite tabloid headline from the whole affair was Marcos Rojo. He said United's players were afraid of Van Gaal Devo, mm-hmm. quote, because of his bulldog face. Yeah. <laughs> It's tough. It's a tough face to look at. <laughs> it's all the fault of LVG's but if he if it's I'll, his face. It's just the uh, face. Don't he look like a moppy commodore or a, a Bernese mountain dog? Yeah. There's never happier than when pulling a small cheese cart into market. Yeah. Everything it's not about tactics, David. Yeah. It's about dog faces, football. So yeah, so problems for both teams in the build up, Rog. Uh, frustration from both sets of fans going in at the way their teams have been playing, despite having pretty good records. The first half, Rog was absolutely dreadful and uninspiring. Uh, yeah, I watched the game after getting home from Palace on yeah. BBC's Match of the Day, that uh-huh. Saturday evening tradition that brings the entire day's play to the British yeah. public. The first half highlights, they reduced to 10 seconds. 
What is it? Tunnel. Had to be tunnel, Rog. Well, new Rooney. United yeah. had to lead the line with plan B. Yeah. That'd be Marouane Fellaini. Yeah. Like Cersei Lannister activating Sir Robert Strong in her hour of need, but to mm-hmm. no real effect. Lack of mobility, predictability, caused Lovren and Skirtle few problems. Mm-hmm. And Liverpool without Coutinho were feckless, David. And just tough to know exactly what their game plan was, what they were trying to do. But you'd have to say on the other side of the ball, Man United looking very defensive, looking like they can possess the ball, but lacking uh, creativity. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is the big question mark for Liverpool fans. Brendan Rodgers, he moved from possession stat-obsessed football to bona fide pass and move. Yeah. I think the numbing thing for Liverpool fans right now is there's no discernible style at all. They're keeping hold of the ball less than Aston Villa and even Norwich City this season. And then Davo, enter. Charlie is a Reds' favourite player. At what a surprise tweeted, Ashley Young comes on. Ashley Young. And United start playing like hashtag 11 best friends. Oh, yeah, they did. They did start playing like 11. And it's all Ashley Young who did <laughs> the entire thing and the game completely and utterly changed in that second half daily blint first of all rog yeah i mean well worked free kick by juan mata the united players charge forward to create space for blint to exploit Mm -hmm. on the edge of the box liverpool's defense brought it hook line and sinker Mm -hmm. liverpool struggled to summon a response their attack was a dull blade ings played wide on the left leaving benteke stranded yeah Oh, the Belgian looks as lonely and isolated as the hair island on Steve McLaren's forehead. And the, the link-up, these are two players who I'm not sure that by this evidence they've ever even trained with each other. They just seem to be so not suited to playing with each other, Roger. Yeah, and Firmino was tepid. Mm-hmm. And then Gomez, who's had moments of positivity this yeah. season. It was a naive decision to go to ground. Yeah. And Herrera punished the mistake ruthlessly yeah. from the penalty spot. There was a flickering moment of hope. Yeah. Benteke. Yeah, what a strike, Rog. A wonder strike, wasn't it? He took out all of his frustration on the ball as if it was Brendan Rodgers' groin. (laughs) It never gets up that high, Rog. I don't think De Gea could have said that if Sergio Romero and Victor Valdez were both in goal What, Brendan's groin? At DCBDC1 tweeted us, broadcasting moment of the year. Yeah. Hearing Arlo White struggle not to say unbelievable. Yeah. And Benteke scored. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. And then, Rog, uh, Martial, that child, uh, that run, that Thierry Henry uh, channeling moment and a beautiful goal, Rog. A little bit fortunate, we'd have to say, yeah, but a beautiful goal. I can't say, he came on the sub in the 65th minute. He yeah. had to wait 30 minutes to get his first touch. Yeah. To remain unperturbed. I mean, when I was a kid, Dave, I used to put on Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Two Tribes on my record player, and I'd lie in bed and just dream of eviscerating defences on long, pacey, fast, slaloming <laughs> runs wearing the blue shirt of the team I loved. Martial had that dream, and he made it real in front of 76,000 fans, a global audience of 600 million plus, slicing in between Skirtle and Klein, dispatching a finish with clinical cold blood. As he wheeled away, Celebrating with his finger over his lips, aimed either at the English press or his accountant. The United faithful, they just be- oh, they bellowed, what a waste of money. What a waste why, of money. Why Brilliant. would he be telling his accountant to be quiet? Shh, it's not, they're paying me. They're, um, you told me they were paying me too much money. I oh, I, I see, I got it. Okay. Louis van Gaal on the bench looked confused as if he couldn't understand why Martian had just scored a goal. Yeah. <laughs> 
Queen's Park Martian. Oh, he'd done something otherworldly. He'd shook, amazing to me, he'd shucked off crushing pressure, the weighty albatross of being the most expensive teenager in history. Yeah. Allusions to being the next Thierry Henry. Yeah. And the fact that almost no one really had seen him play before yeah. he arrived. That is Freddie Adu making pressure, Davey. Yeah. And he tossed it off and conjured the kind of buccaneering, flamboyant attacking moment that United fans adored and that's just been absent under Louis van Gaal. I loved it. Yeah, he's a proper footballer, Rog. I was watching him play against Eindhoven uh, this week. I actually agree with Paul Scholes. I thought it was a pretty decent performance by Man United. I think they're unlucky to end up being on the losing side of that game. Uh, But his play, he has it all, Rog. He can do everything. He can take the ball with his back to goal. He tackles well. He runs with the ball. He finds the passer. He's the fulcrum. He's been at that club for a week. He sits at the fulcrum of their entire offense at this point. Oh, when he scored, actually, LVG and Giggs hugged. Yeah. It's like the worst kind of hug. Yeah. The one that you have with a boyfriend or girlfriend <laughs> that you know in your head you're about to break up with, but they don't know. Uh, one, one of you is giving it full clinging eyes closed love. Yeah. The other's trying to pull away and keep their down belows pulled back. Yeah. They're staring ahead with eyes dead inside. Yeah. I think Giggsy just happy he's not being slapped on the face. But Louis van Gaal, very funny in his post-match conference, he said, we played better in the first half. Yeah. And then he said, for me, Liverpool is a fantastic club Mm -hmm. because I have won every game against Liverpool. That's good. That was was Trumpian, Rog, that line. There very is. He could be. I'll tell you, Dutch Trump, Louis van Gaal for VP. He'd be amazing. (laughs) Making Holland great again. Yes. I build a wall. (laughs) Van Gaal wall. Oh, Liverpool fans have set up a sack Brendan Rodgers page, fundraising to pay off his necessary compensation package. Yeah. At the Magnificent Seven tweeted, it's hard being a Liverpool fan right now, but it could be worse. We could support Chelsea. Yeah. See, true. the Sheena United's triumph, kind hmm, of tarnished a little bit by the, uh, the Champions League defeat in Eindhoven. Well, and also just a shocking injury to Luke Shaw, Rog, who's been, you know, a little bit unheralded. He's really been. He's probably their most player consistent of the player of the season. Uh, and just a shocking injury. Feels so bad for the young man who's really starting to make that uh, left back. If you have not seen this injury. For himself for Man United and England. Rich. If you haven't seen the injury, yeah. don't see the injury. Yeah, it's awful. I can't believe people are posting it on Twitter. It's Joe Theismann-esque. Yeah. And all we can say is we're praying he can recuperate quickly, physically and mentally. Sometimes football just does not seem fair, Dave. He's worked so hard in the off-season to really establish himself, not just for United, but for England. And then this, he's going to be out for the rest of the season and and beyond. And something to think about. And I don't think it was a cynical tackle, but it is the kind of tackle that I believe should not be allowed in football. And any time you watch your team and you see your player and on the super slow-motion replay, you see the ball change direction, take a little deflection, say, oh, look, he got the ball... And so it was a completely fair tackle. The reason that these tackles, that they are meant to be outlawed, is because what can happen uh, to Luke Shaw? That just oh. terrible double fracture on a leg. Roger, this is a player who's gone through a lot of injuries in his uh, young career. I just really, really hope he comes back. Tough this. European night for Manchester last night. As yeah. Morrissey would say, you mm-hmm. leave on your own and you go home and you cry and mm-hmm. you want to die. Yeah, tough European night for the whole of Manchester. Uh, actually, Roger, and talking about the other side of Manchester, Crystal Palace, nil. Manchester City, one. Oh, it was all still going well for them at the weekend, Rog. Manuel Pellegrini's men stay perfect, perfect, perfect on the season, thanks to a 90th-minute goal from Nigerian teenager Kalechi Ihianacho. 
The substitute turned in a rebound from close range just one minute after coming on. Rog, joyous moment for the young men. <sighs> Less joyous for the 26,000 Crystal Palace fans I'd gone there to make a film about. Yeah. But what a story they are, Dave. Bankrupt yeah. five years ago. Uh-huh. Risen from being championship strugglers to a joyous Premier League mavericks with yeah. a brand built around South London mm-hmm. and a fan base that's the loudest and most unique in the Premier League. Team owner Steve Parrish, what an amazing bloke. What he's done for that club. He told me a great story. He told me P. Diddy tried to invest in Crystal Palace at one time because he liked the name. They had a meeting and he kept saying, I can see it being Crystal Palace. Yeah. Crystal. <laughs> yeah, they sell a lot of Crystal at yeah. Premier League. It goes, love, it goes really nicely with pie. It goes really nicely with pie, Roger. Crystal, Crystal. Palace. Yeah. Uh, I even met Marouane Shamak, David. Yeah. He's a lot less bald than I person. saw the picture. I met Dr. Iqbal. Oh, we love Dr. Iqbal. The medical star of being Liverpool. Yeah. He was Liverpool's club doctor. Now he's Palace's. I just yeah. went mushy, shy fanboy when I met him. Mm-hmm. I also interviewed Pardew, Jason Punchin, and the mm-hmm. cheerleaders, the Crystals. I yeah. reveled in the atmosphere at uh-huh. Selhurst Park. Uh-huh. In this era of commercial luxury box football, it's one of the most fascinating and wonderful, even in defeat, Davo. Yeah. Something very Portland Timbers about Palace. They're the yeah. Homesdale fanatics, they're fans. They don't believe in baiting opponents. They love cheering on the team and cheer them on they do. In the film I shot, I talk about how and why. It's pretty interesting. I spent the game actually with a PA announcer. Uh-huh. In this PA announcer's box. You love a PA announcer. I think Mike Rankin is his name. He's like the boy in the bubble. He's like a lifelong Crystal Palace fan who is now the PA guy which means he has to not be in the fact, he can't sit with them anymore, but he can like fire them up just by pressing a button. There's a big green button that fires up glad all over. And whenever he presses it, the crowd goes wild. But he himself is sitting in a tiny little office, separated Mm -hmm. like a boy in the bubble. It's a hot, tiny windowed room away from the action behind the pylon. He's got an obstructive view. He can't Mm -hmm. even see one of the goals. Uh But he's like the ringmaster at a circus he can no longer enjoy. Amazing way (laughs) to watch your game, David. But anyway, I took... Crystal Palace, the essence of this Palace team. I spoke to Jason Punchin. Yeah. He said, the louder the fans get, yeah. the more the team want to play speedily down the wing. The more huh. they play speedily down the wing on the break, yeah. the more the fans go crazy. It's like this reinforcing... They need the fans. It's more this reinforcing circle of glad yeah. all over. It's all yeah. about that green button. It is. And the, and the obstructed view from a pylon. That's so <laughs> English. Rog, well, I'm glad you like South London. South London. Love it. But City, no David Silva, no Raheem Sterling. Problems yeah. creating in a very physical, high-tempo battle. Cunaguero smashed by Scott Dan. Yaya Toure destroying James McArthur. Even yeah. Alan Pardew and Pellegrini mm-hmm. renewing their touchline battles. They wengered it. They Mourinho'd yeah. it. No tie flips and a handshake yeah. at the end. Wow. But then, Davo, Kevin De Bruyne. De Bruyne. The second coming. Yeah. It happened. He is. He's a ginge. He always was. Yeah. But now he's a, now he's a light blue, David. Yeah, he is a How light did blue. How it feel? Uh, fine. I mean, he didn't ever play enough for Chelsea to ever really think of him as a Chelsea player, Chelsea legend. He always looked good when he played, particularly in preseason. He was a very good preseason Chelsea player. Um, and there he is in light blue, and on he comes. And he sprung Jesus Navas, who summoned a very Spanish finish in front of an open goal. It was a Fernando Torres Spanish uh, finish. He scored at the weekend, Rod. Oh, sad nap of a miss for a player who I've got to say, when you think about what Jesus Navas brings to the city side, yeah. you can only think about the beauty of his eyes mm-hmm. and the deep, consistent mediocrity of his play. Yeah, he's a good-looking man. Palace made mm-hmm. City flinch with their pace down the flanks. They had their chances. Yeah. Punching. And Dwight Gale. Oh, 
punching South London to his core. Yeah. But they lack an elite finisher who can reliably punish opponents. And then the winner, Davo. Yeah. Courtesy of an 18-year-old substitute. Yeah. Kalechi, 18 years old. Great yeah. Nigerian prospect. MVP, I think, of the 2013 Under-17 World Cup. Yeah. He wears number 72. William Refrigerator. Perry homage, huh. maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Potentially, Rog. Yeah. He came on in the 89th minute. Yeah. And the PA announcer pronounced his name as a substitute. Yeah. He then turned off the mic, mm-hmm. turned around to me and joked. He said, thank God I don't have to say that name again. Yeah. <laughs> and then 60 seconds later, <laughs> he scored. Yeah. And the PA had to turn the mic back on. Yeah. And read it again. Goal scored, by. Oh, it's a great goal. Yeah. We should call it his nickname, by the way, should be Soccer's Ameri- Soccer America's Sport of the Future since 19, should be his nickname. Uh, be brilliant with the number he wears on his back. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, even Man City fans haven't heard of this kid, Rog. Yeah, I mean, he gave the defenders a head start to a rebound, but beat them all with his anticipation and the will. I'd say the, the, the best, big, biggest surprise about City, less their points haul and their perfect record, more the fact they're in the league. They're yet to concede in their first five games, which is something that's not happened since 2006. I mean, yeah. company who we wrote off is back. Sanyu and Kolarov have aged in reverse. Mangala yeah. looks every inch the Premier League footballer he didn't last season. Joe Hart, he's still crazy, but he's a very, very good goalkeeper, Rog. And this was crushing loss for Palace fans, one they dealt with in fantastic fashion. Yeah. Even after an excruciating loss, the fans cheered the team off as if they were conquering heroes. So winning or losing is not the point of Palace. It's all about an expression of mm-hmm. South London joyous identity. And I do, I love them all the more for it. When will we be able to see that Premier League download, do you think? When it's finished. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Uh, Rog, we've got a North London now, a completely different world, a completely different place. Arsenal. Two, Stoke nil. Goals from Theo Walcott and substitute Olivier Giroud lift Arsene Wenger's side over the Potters at the Emirates. Arsenal registered 29 shots against a Stoke team that remains on two points and looks anything but sexy. Wow. I mean, it's all about can Arsenal coax goals after the hubbub surrounding Danny Welbeck's injury, yeah. which Arsene Wenger seemed to handle like the Kremlin used to mask Leonid Brezhnev's decline in health. I mean, he's less a Premier League striker. He's more a declining symbol of the state. Uh, but they did okay here. I mean, they dominated possession in a yeah. way that can only be mustered if San Marino are your opponents. Yeah. But they couldn't convert. Uh-huh. A combination of Butland and unconfident finishing kept Stoke in the game. Who came through for them? Oh, it was Theo, Rog. It was. Arsenal's first home goal of the season after a magical pass from Mosul. It was his 11th goal mm-hmm. in 11 Premier League starts, which is amazing. But he missed so many chances. His countenance seems ever more like the English Landon Donovan. Yeah. He's almost too chivalrous, too yeah. gentlemanly. But uh, Giroud came on and scored and also yeah. conspired to miss at least two fantastic yeah. chances. And again for Arsenal, the net effect was undermining rather than convincing. Although it should be applauded, Giroud, you now have as many as own goals at the top of Arsenal's scoring charts. But it was a 2-0 victory that somehow seemed, with 29 chances and Stoke so underwhelming, it seemed to reinforce the sense of Arsenal's impotence rather than erase it. And not one Arsenal striker has proven to Arsenal that he's the man to rely on. The other side of the coin, though, Rog, is I feel like Arsenal have not really started ticking over this season. There have been moments, but it does seem a little um, inconsistent. You know, players scoring great goals, but then missing lots of others. I don't think we've seen the best of Arsenal yet this season. They surely are the only team that can truly challenge Manchester City for the title this season. And this is the sort of game that Stoke, desperately needing a win, desperately needing the points. I mean, some people 
a lot of gamblers who look at sport, look at you know who to take, they often ask themselves who needs this win more. Stoke desperately needed a point down at Arsenal, and they can sometimes be a very difficult team to break down. Arsenal managed to break them down. I feel like they could have won this game 5 or 6 nil. I think we will see them do that to other teams this season. The yeah. Premier League needs Arsenal to be good, oh, Rog. Stoke, all those big Euro names, all those small, small performances, two points from five games, yeah. the worst ever Premier League start. Uh, Leicester, three. Aston Villa 2. This might have been the game of the weekend, Rog. The Foxes charge back from two goals down, putting three past Tim Sherwood's team in the final 18 minutes. Goals from Richie Delat, Jamie Vardy and Leicester debutant Nathan Dyer keep Claudio Ranieri's men unbeaten on the season. They're in second place, four points behind Manchester City. United and Liverpool got all the hype going into the weekend. Yeah. But this was the match of the round. From a footballing perspective, I mean, Villa were cruising after the sweetest of counter-attacking strikes. Put them yeah. 2-0 up with 20 minutes to go. Fantastic goal, Rod. Fantastic <sighs> goal. The Villa fans started to ole yeah. every pass. Yeah. And then Tim Sherwood. Yeah. He did this, this bizarre dance, it can only be called, on the sideline. Mm-hmm. I believe he was giving tactical instructions, but he looked like David Byrne in Stop Making Sense. Mm-hmm. It was part managerial communication. It was part seizure. Yeah. And his team just fell apart suddenly. Yeah. They couldn't repel Leicester's pace on the mm-hmm. flanks. What a team Ranieri's fostered, David. What a spirit. I know. And who predicted this, really? I mean, Ranieri has been... We said been, they'd be relegated. Yeah, Ranieri has been a, um, a laughingstock. He's been a, a punch bag. He's been a punchline. Uh, for so many jokes about football. And yet he has this team playing. Look, Leicester had an amazing record at the end of uh, last season under Nigel Pearson, Rog. But I'm not sure they ever played football that was this beautiful. Rog, this is beautiful football they're playing. Jamie Vardy explained how Ranieri does it. He said the managers got built into us that we start every game as if we're on no points. And we need to pick the three up to start the season again. Uh And we'll do it exactly the same again next weekend. It's hard for me to believe this works on professional footballers, David. They are grown men. So they really have the, the mental capacity of laboratory rats. Lads, what I, what I lads would... you're all on zero points, <laughs> all right? What I would say about Ranieri when he was Chelsea manager is that's probably the last time that Chelsea played really beautiful, fashionable, sexy, sexy, creative football. They didn't often do very well in the league, Rog, but they did play wildly entertaining football until he got his nickname of the Tinker Man for changing the side uh, so often. But he's got Leicester playing great. He likes managing teams in blue. And, uh, and uh, good job. This was wonderful, wonderful football. I love seeing a team come from behind with that sense of belief. Got everybody in the king power so excited in a cracking game of football. Yeah, but great winner by Nathan Dyer. Five foot five, oh, Nathan brave, Dyer. brave. Oh, concussed by Brad Guzan. Brad mm-hmm. Guzan evidently still concussed by Brazil. Yeah. Um, at B Flynn Jr. tweeted us to say, Dyer with a soccer version of baseball sacrifice bunt at the end. Yeah. And what you said is right, Dave. It's one of the joys of this season for yeah. me that so many teams are unexpectedly playing buccaneering, thrilling football yeah. that neutrals can only admire. Leicester, yeah. Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, yeah. Swansea yeah. lead amongst them. Uh, Chelsea are 17th. Leicester City are second. Yeah. I think this situation is known as an Arlo Whitegasm. Yeah. <laughs> At Terence Junior 11, I cannot wait for Leicester City to uh-huh. save English football in next year's Champions League. Me neither. 
You know what I'm even more excited about? Well, they've got a player in Mares, Rog, who looks Champions League quality. I mean, he is every... I would put him up against... For me, you tell me the player who's PFA Player of the Year above Mares right now. Yeah, him and Jefferson Monteric, I'd say, going head-to-head. Say Leicester City talking about 20 or $30 million. Mm-hmm. They currently have their old club tunnel up for purchase on eBay. Oh, we love, we'd love a tunnel. It's How King, big is it? I'll tell you, it's King Power Stadium's original tunnel yeah. installed in 2002. Yeah. They're trying to sell here. Sell, sell, sell. It's yeah. had some of uh, uh, World Football's biggest names walk down it. I guess yeah. you can include Richie Delat in there. He looks like Spud from Train Spotting's younger, uh-huh. more athletic brother. Over 300 Leicester City games. They played Barcelona, Inter Milan, Real Madrid and Monaco. I would love to buy this for the panic room, David. Uh-huh. We could recreate great moments in tunnel. Yeah. We'd have a whole series if I we buy it. I don't think it would fit in the panic room, Rog. <sighs> could buy it for my basement out in Long Island. It, it would look good out there. Do it. Bid nice now, David. I'm bid often. Okay, very good. Uh, Sunderland, nil. Tottenham, one. <sighs> Rog, the, the DeAndre, DeAndre Yedlin derby. Ryan Mason capped off a fluid Spurs move in the 82nd minute to give Mauricio Pochettino's men their first three points of the season. Sunderland sit on two points and have yet to win a heartbreaker for Sunderland. Rog, Jermaine Defoe should have won the game yeah. for them in the first half. Yeah, it was a lot of brother against brother. Kabul and Defoe facing up to their old Spursy yeah. fraternity. Great goal, fantastic piece of team play. Yeah. Kane, Lamela. Give yeah. and go from Mason, yeah. who finished like a continental with a chip over mm-hmm. Pantillamon mm-hmm. and then injured himself. But the Spurs players so excited they'd actually scored. They still, he clearly injured. They yeah. still all just jumped all yeah, over Yeah, they him. still humped him. The injured hero. Sunderland had their chances. Second from bottom with yeah. just two points. And for American owner Ellis Shaw, it looks like another season on the brink. DeAndre Yedlin will be eligible to play next week. Though Dick Advocat, this is amazing to me. He admitted to the press he hasn't really seen the American play, he said, apart from the World Cup games. Fingers crossed. We wish DeAndre well. Absolutely, Rod. West Ham 2, Newcastle 0. Rog, Dimitri Payet double sees the Irons past Steve McLaren's side in this week's Monday match. West Ham surge up to fifth. Newcastle, meanwhile, sit at the bottom of the table. They're yet to win, scored only twice and have turned in performances that have us too scared to watch the True Geordies <laughs> latest YouTube videos. <laughs> I've actually got to go and watch those this afternoon. Oh, I think their day was summed up by the fact they got stuck in traffic on the way to the ground and had to walk and run on foot to get there. And they got there late. No goals, as you say. Both big optimism-inducing summer signings. Torvan mm-hmm. and uh, Giorgino. Winaldum! Mm-hmm. Peripheral throughout I mean it is a drably lacklustre performance this from Steve McLaren's lot who are looking anything but a team of 11 Jack Colbacks David when I was in uh, England Mm -hmm. great news story that's brewing there now there's a ginger terrorist plotter (gasps) who wanted to murder this is a segue from 11 Jack Colbacks yeah got you a ginger terrorist who wanted to quote murder Prince Charles yeah so that fellow ginger Prince Harry could Mm -hmm. be king (laughs) it's a ginger revolution a ginger extremist fantasized about killing Prince William so redhead Harry could be king. Agoraphobic Mark Colborn, or they always blame it on the agor- agoraphobics, Rog. 37, who lived with his mother in Southampton, is also accused of plotting to murder Prince Charles to increase the chances of gingerhead royal Prince Harry becoming king. Colborn allegedly felt belittled because of the colour of his hair. Colborn attempted to grow cyanide, Rog, on shredded wheat breakfast cereal. That's imaginative. So he could squirt it at people through spray bottles or put the poison in food and drink. Oh. 
Chinjis and regicide. Yeah. A few stories unify all of my interest in one narrative, David. Yeah. Watford, one. Swansea, nil. Rog, Swansea fall for the first time this season at Vicarage Road. Nigerian striker Odion Ighalo. What a good weekend for Nigerian strikers, Rog, in the 59th minutes. We're in Watford, its first win since promotion. West Brom, nil. Southampton, nil. A point apiece at the Hawthorns. Sado Berahino came on as a second-half substitute just 10 days after threatening to go on strike after the club blocked to move to Spurs on humanitarian grounds, one might think, Rog. Norwich, three. Bournemouth, one. The Canaries win this battle of the new boys behind goals from Cameron Jerome, Wes Houlihan and Matt Jarvis. Alex Neal's side sits on a very respectable seven points from their first five wow. games. But is this the curse of Rog yet again, Rog, in the weekend? That together, what was it? Together, we can do anything again. Together, together anything, anything is, is possible. possible. Yeah, but not winning at Norwich. I got the name for that documentary yeah. in the uh, monogram that you have sewn into all of your underpants. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. <laughs> anything is possible. Very true, Rog. Oh, th- thanks for all your kind words about Bournemouth documentary, mm-hmm. which is now up on NBC Sports World digitally. Mm-hmm. Also elated that Jeff Mostyn, the club chairman, who yeah. I made cry in that film, mm-hmm. is going to join us uh, at BlazerCon oh, to talk brilliant. about the club's fairy tale rise. They are Seabiscuit, they are Rocky, they are Cool Runnings in cleats. Andrew Squires tweeted us, he said, can't wait for the movie version. Who will play Eddie Howe? Mm-hmm. <sighs> He's got the kind of boyish good looks that Hollywood loves, David. He could play himself. Yeah. I'd love to see Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah. I'd love to see Ben Skarsgård. Foster. Yeah. Gosling! Yeah. Uh, definitely, it's definitely in, the, in Gosling range. He's got a bit of Damon, a bit of Matt Damon about him, but Matt Damon might be a little bit too old mm. to play him right now. Yeah. He's, uh, by the way, Eddie Howe is 37. Yeah. Seemed like an old man talking about old men compared to 34-year-old Alex Neal. I know. The Norwich Kids. coach. Yeah. I mean, what a team. Tiny Wes Houlihan, the puppet master, movement, effervescence, Norwich cruised. Bournemouth's defence looking for age, cumbersome, and in need of a fix. I say for Bournemouth, Sunderland away next week, Stoke mm-hmm. and Watford follow a trio of six-pointers for the Cherries. OK, a melange of football news from these shores, Rog. In MLS, FC Dallas beat NYCFC 2-1 Saturday at Toyota Stadium. Not one of NYCFC's trinity of superstars lasted all 90 minutes. David Villa was taken off at halftime with a hamstring issue. Frank Lampard and Andrea Perlo were each taken off in the 66th minute, replaced by Poco and Mix, respectively. <sighs> Already down 2-0, NYCFC's Patrick Mullins scored from the penalty spot just four minutes after those changes. Rog, what do you make of NYCFC's recent struggles? This is an expansion team, after all. I don't know why we're all so obsessed with it. Well, the, the, the most fascinating part of the weekend's game, yeah. when Lamps and Perlow went off, mm-hmm. New, New York started to play better. And what's going to be fascinating, if they are to salvage the season, old Jason Christ, the coach, is going to have to take the brave slash suicidal step of dropping one of the big yeah. named salaried midfielders, which is going to be fascinating mm-hmm. to see how that goes down, David. Mm-hmm. I thought the best news in MLS this week came for me out of Portland. Darlington Nagby officially doing what I dream of doing, like a Stevie Naismith hat-trick, becoming a US citizen, immediately available for selection for the US national team. Please, God. But this was all about the National Women's Soccer League. Yeah, absolutely. This weekend. The final is set. Rog, Megan Rapinoe's Seattle Reign beat the Washington Spirit 3-0 Sunday in the semifinals and defending champions FC Kansas City beat Chicago Red Stars by the same score. The final will be played 
October 1st at Providence Park in Portland. It'll be a great atmosphere there, Rog. Repeat final from last year, featuring many of our favourites. Megan Rapino versus Heather O'Reilly. hey Becky Sauerbrun, Nerd Squad. Yeah. And oh, Amy LaPelve, one of my yeah. favourite athletes of all time. There were just 3,031 fans in Chicago. It was a tough draw going against the Bears' home opener at Soldier Field. But I'm excited for the final. I think it's smart to play in Portland. And we will, I hope, do a special pod ahead of the kickoff. So stay tuned for more on that. Brilliant, Rog. Several players set to play in the NWSL final. A part of the US Women National Team's victory tour, Rog. It continues Thursday night in Detroit and Sunday in Birmingham, Alabama. Both games are against Haiti. The US Women's National Team was scheduled to play Australia, but the Matildas cancelled their trip amid a dispute over player salaries and because they want to watch the Rugby World Cup, Rog. <laughs> uh, Thursday's game is on Fox Sports 1 at 7pm Eastern Time. Sunday's is on ESPN 2 at 2.30pm. Talking about Eastern great time. female Americans. Yes. US Attorney General Loretta Lynch, <sighs> Rog. She said this week that In she dream, expects her that more charges as David. part of the Justice Department's FIFA corruption investigation. Yeah, and the closing words of her speech made my heart sore. To anyone who seeks to live in the past and to return soccer to the days of corruption and bribery, cronyism and patronage, this global response sends a clear message. You are on the wrong side of progress Mm. and do a disservice to the integrity of this wonderful sport. What was the thing she said? What was the beginning of that sentence? To anybody who what? Who seeks to live in the past. Yeah. And to return soccer to the days of corruption, bribery, cronyism and patronage. Isn't that the mission statement of FIFA, <laughs> Rog? That's basically, these guys have signed up to do exactly that. Oh, it means set blatter. Yeah. You're going down. It's like yeah. watching Pablo Escobar go down all over again, which oh, I have been doing this Narcos week, is so fantastic, Rog. It's so, so good. On Friday, uh, obviously, uh, Hollywood pretty much shut down uh, for the holidays, uh, Rog. I called a friend of mine who's an, uh, who will not be named at an agency that will not be named. And it was two o'clock in the afternoon. He was at home in his underwear, eating potato chips, drinking beer, just binge watching the entire season of <laughs> I didn't Narcos. Know, I didn't know Harry Emmanuel wore undies. <laughs> <laughs> no comment, Rog. Um, our first raven is from Malcolm Cook. That is the least American name that we've ever had. Send us a raven, Rog. I think Malcolm he's, Perhaps because he's English, David. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I, I cold read them, as you know, Rog. A Palace fan, oh, here we go, who wrote to us before attending this past weekend's game against City. Dear Davo, warmest salutations from the motherland. I must seek your sage counsel because this week's pod has thrown me into a maelstrom of emotional torment, the likes of which I've never previously encountered. The cause of my anguish... The astounding news of Roger's impending arrival at Europe's most hallowed cathedral of footballing, Perfection Selhurst Park. Experience tells us that the Rog's scheduled visit will doom my beloved Eagles to a losing streak of near-cataclysmic proportions. And it did. My question for you is simply this. Is it really worthwhile flirting with a lifetime of footballing oblivion in exchange for 90 short minutes in the company of his royal baldness, Rog, and approximately 25,000 toothless, drunken South London louts? Yeah, not the best-looking fans of Palace. If you conclude that preserving the future of my football club should take precedence, then please let me know your thoughts regarding the most effective way of preventing Rog from ever reaching SE25, Southeast 25, that's the local zip, whilst also striving to minimise the number of resultant human casualties. Too late, mate. I can't be stopped. 
Yeah, well, too late because you're only putting this raven in, into this week's pod. <laughs> I've considered a call to arms urging other sympathetic GFOPs to join me and form a human shield preventing Rod <laughs> from gaining access to the ground on game day. Unfortunately, I fear that on a Venn diagram of GFOPs, the area encompassing UK-based Palace fans is probably woefully small. It's probably Malcolm Cook. <laughs> Perhaps I should resort to the simpler solution of using Rebecca Lure as live bait to lure Roger away from the ground. Oh, that would have worked before he can ruin us for the foreseeable future. I would greatly appreciate your thoughts on the matter. Please remember, time is short. I'm sorry, Malcolm. How would I have kept you away, Rog? Resurrecting Dana Pleto. Yeah, maybe. Exhuman and yeah. resurrecting Dana I've still Pleto. got a lot of mates in South London. Uh, oh, that's menacing. Yeah, I've still got a lot of mates in South London. Oh, no, they're, they're not of the, quite the Barry Hearn, uh, you know, level. I'd say a few levels below Barry Hearn, Rog, but I probably could have done some business, Rog. We did have this surprising number of Men in Blazers fans at Crystal Palace. Wow. I got stopped by a uh, father with his kid. Yeah. And he goes, oh, look, lad, there's that guy from Old Men in Blazers. Old Men in Blazers. <laughs> Which is very reassuring. Yeah, that's what they call us in the UK. Welcome. I'll just yeah. say this. Look, 90% of football teams are crap. They yeah. don't lose because I visit. Yeah. It's just accidental. Yeah. And you're reading too much mm. into it. Surrender to the truth. Although the odds of all of these teams losing right after you make films about them or visit them is pretty low. And Weatherford getting cut by the Giants, I feel terrible about that. He's got <laughs> children to look after. Yeah, it's I'm very just true. fronting. To be candid, I feel a terrible guilt. Yeah. I feel a terrible guilt. I think I broke Chelsea, David. You might have broken Chelsea, but you don't feel any guilt about that. That's not The true. new me does. The new me, yeah. New me, you're not into guilt, Rog. You're definitely not into that. Okay, <laughs> the winner of the coveted Guinness... Men in Blazers, poet, philosopher, soccer scribe, Raven of the Week is Patrick Danger Philpot. Rog, what a name. As a lifelong fan of the last 14 months of Spurs, I jumped at my opportunity to see them on their sad map tour of North America early this summer. I was going to get to see all my favourite players, Harry Kane, Hugo Lloris, Christian Eriksen and Harry Kane. So obviously I was very excited. I arrived at the stadium, was delighted to find I was sitting in a crowd of proper English soccer fans. English soccer fans. They were leading chants, screaming at each other and bringing general English sophistication. Hmm? to their cousins across the seas. I could not wait to engage them in conversation and speak of our mutual admiration for NASA Chadley's new man bun. I was <laughs> horrified to discover these English people who had been calling each other lad and yelling in overwhelming English accents only moments earlier, more precisely, Cockney accents, were from Houston. <laughs> and that's Houston, USA. The same place I grew up spending 20 years of my life never hearing about soccer. I can ignore some aspects of Americans adopting the English soccer culture. People wear scarves to see the Houston Dynamo play in 100 degree heat. But I found this instance to be too intolerable. Am I alone in this? Should I adopt a British accent, call women folk lass, drive in the wrong lane and lose wars? Or is it possible for Americans to develop their own soccer identity? I've spoken about this a lot, Rog. I don't know what to say. I mean, I'd say one of the most fascinating stats of the week I encountered. Visit England released a number of tourists visiting Premier League games this season. Yeah. The most came from Ireland, huh. obviously, 121,000. Then Scandinavia, Norway and Sweden. Yeah. But the nation sending the fourth most visitors to watch English Premier League games. Yeah. America. Yeah, it's a long way away. 53,000, more than anywhere else in the world, including 
uh, across Europe and soccer mad Asia. Sport yeah. the future no longer. But I also don't know what to make France of it. is only 20 miles away from England. And there are probably about 50 come from France to watch the games. And the, most of those are Anthony Martial's family. <laughs> I don't know what to make of this story, David. Mm-hmm. It's amazing and troubling. I mean, to what extent is the attraction of the English Premier League about the English part in the same way as watching Downton Abbey or loving Benedict Cumberbatch? You mean Anglophilia? Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. I mean, yeah. the, there is a unique American football culture. The American yeah. Outlaws, the Portland Timbers, Sporting Kansas City, any bar that shows the Premier League. I, when I was a kid, I loved America. I loved the NFL. I learned all the words to the Super Bowl shuffle and to John Riggins' tough Ford truck commercial. Yeah. But I never believed I was actually American. Something about this totally seems off to me. And I'm wondering whether he unintentionally came across a CIA undercover unit yeah. who were trying to infiltrate the lower levels of the English social pyramid. It's sort of a role-playing thing. It reminds me of sort of Comic-Con. Is that you want to... You're such a fan. You just totally want to adopt the culture of the movie that you're watching. You want to dress up in the clothes. You want to, like, live the life. You want to be it. And these fans are not only fans of the teams, they're fans of the entire culture surrounding the teams. And therefore, they have to adopt the complete British culture all the way down to the accents, Rod, I suppose. You mean they don't just want to watch Claude, the Arsenal fan, or or Ars Blog, or or Charlie as a Red. They want to be... They want to be them. (sighs) Stop it, America. Uh, Your weekend looks like this, Rod, courtesy of Mini. USA. It's my favourite part of the pod. Okay, Chelsea versus Arsenal. Not in the face. 7.45am Saturday. All I'm hoping for this is a really good almost fight, Rog. That's all (laughs) I really want. Uh, Manchester City versus West Ham. That's 12.30pm Saturday. Southampton versus Man United. That could be a good game. 11am on Sunday. All of those games are on the NBC Sports Network, Rog. And in an MLS, Portland Timbers versus New York Red Bulls. That's 5 p.m. Sunday on ESPN. Talking of Arsenal, Rog, our guest today, the author of the number one New York Times best-selling Maze Runner books. Because when you think of Arsenal, you think of maze running, Rog. The series' second instalment, The Scorch Trials, has been made into a film and opens nationwide this weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the pod. And this is where the connection happens, Rog. Arsenal fan and Real Salt Lake season ticket holder, James Dashner. I am uh, extremely excited to be here. I love the maze runner. I, I love the protagonist, Thomas. I love being inside of his head. You once said, not only is Thomas dealing with regular coming of age issues, but his memory has been wiped clean. He has to face a lot of both physical and mental trauma. He has to make a lot of incredibly hard decisions. Basically, you're writing Theo Walcott, James. We see through you. (laughs) How did your fandom come about, James? I never really played soccer growing up, and I was one of those, you know, this is shameful for me to admit. I was one of those Americans who made fun of soccer because I didn't understand the game. Welcome, James. (laughs) Thank you. It is, this has been the best thing that's ever happened to me. I am now kind of obsessed with soccer, even though all my fans make fun of me when I use the word soccer. I hate to use another movie franchise to pin you down on your Arsenal fandom, but how did the sorting hat choose you <laughs> for Arsenal? How did that come about? Oh, man, it's a good reference there, by the way. My first love was, was falling in love with U.S. national soccer, and then I got into MLS and, and rooted for Real Salt Lake. 
But then I can think the Maze Runner for turning me into an Arsenal fan because one of the actors in our movie, well, two of the actors actually, Will Poulter, who played Galley, and Kaya Scottolario, who played Teresa. Oh, skins. They're both from England, and they're gigantic Arsenal fans. Uh, the first time I met Kaya, she was wearing an Arsenal jersey. So we made a pact on the movie set. I told them, you know, I'm getting the MLS. I really I don't feel legitimate until I have a, a Premier League team. And they both made me swear, and we pinky-sweared, mind you, uh-huh. that I would devote my entire life to Arsenal. Wow. <laughs> so it's only been like three years, so I feel a little bit, you know, I don't, I'm not quite legitimate yet. But, I mean, I have two Arsenal jerseys. I have an Arsenal soccer ball. I watch every game. Uh, I'm really trying to, uh, to prove my loyalty uh, to them. But you, so far, so follow, good this year. Do you follow Piers Morgan on Twitter? No, I do not. Okay, interesting. Should I? No. no. <laughs> you talked about Maze Runner. You said you went to bed one night and you got a vision uh, of hideous creatures in the future in a dark world, an experiment to study their minds. Terrible things would be done to them. Awful things, completely hopeless. And then the victims turn everything on its head. Clearly you were bored. You were picturing Arsenal season. I was about to say, that's exactly how I came up with the idea for Men in Blazers. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a massive game this Saturday. Chelsea are clearly the grievers, the strange lethal creatures housed in the maze, overseen by the world in catastrophe yeah. kill zone experiment department. Oh, way more evil than that. The, the sta- they are evil, evil, monstrous, satanic, whatever you want to call them. I, uh, in a very short time, I've already learned to hate Chelsea. So more, evil very than well. that. more evil than that. Worse than ISIS. <sighs> <laughs> Worse than ISIS. Yeah, and what's funny is my brother... Um, kind of independent of me he became a Chelsea fan for some reason and uh, so we already have a little rivalry going the stats make for such grim reading Chelsea are unbeaten against Arsenal in their last seven league encounters Arsenal have failed to score in the last four obviously under Arsene Wenger have never beaten Jose Mourinho in a game that actually matters in the in the league they did win the community shield Is is it a wise thing to approach Chelsea while they're such a mess or do you as an Arsenal fan approach them with the fear you would a, a wounded pit bull? I don't know. I think uh, with with this terrible start for Chelsea and this you know pretty good start for Arsenal, except that first game, um, I think we have the momentum. I have a good feeling. This is a James Dashner prediction. You can take it to the bank. Oh, wow. Arsenal wins 2-1. Wow. Oh, God. How would you do that no, with that pie? Based on, based, on my <laughs> Arsenal, based on my Arsenal friends, on how crap, how hard I'm getting sledged by my Arsenal fans on how crap Chelsea are. They would be very disappointed if it's only 2-1. That wouldn't make Arsenal as great as they... I think they want nothing less than 7-0 this weekend. (laughs) You're a writer of what's called speculative fiction, James. I think speculative fiction, I have no idea what the hell that is, but I imagine it's what the the Premier League writers actually specialise in. To, to To what extent are you attracted to the Premier League because of the elite athleticism? And to what extent are you drawn by the drama, the subplots of vengeance, ambition, redemption, humiliation that can, oh, you yeah. know, that can trump tactics, or organization, team play? Does good drama equal good football to you? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, um, there is just something about the Premier League over there. I mean, even me as a you know, somewhat novice at this whole thing, 
the the talent level and the the passion of the fans and the the coaching and everything is just it is so obviously you know levels above what we have in America and most other leagues in the world and you know I made my first trip to England a year and a half ago and and I just I fell in love with that place so as much as I love the MLS and I, I'm rooting for it like crazy, and you know we go to every RSL game, uh, and you go to the I think it'll be a long, a long time before we can even come close to matching everything about the Premier League. Why, re- why read books when you can get it all just watching football, huh, yeah. James? I know. <laughs> I, okay, I'm going to start advocating for people to stop reading books yes, because yes. of you guys. Yes, join the crusade. Only read James Dashner and John Green books from here on in. The, bur- <laughs> the, 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 the burning question for the closer from one of our listeners, at Don Steele, he wants to know, in the James Dashner dream team, if your life depended upon this one, James which you might do one day, so this is a practical question as yeah. well as a theoretical one. Who would you choose in that dream team in the midfield? Kyle Beckerman, KB5, oh, man. or Coquelin? Oh, <clears throat> Le Français. You know what? With the, with the chance that my, my fellow RSL fans who I've grown close to are listening, i got to say Kyle Beckerman. KB5. His passion for the game and his efforts and his uh, loyalty to his teammates... And his skill, I, I really, really love that guy. KB5. But I, you know, I'd like him ten years younger. I'd, I'd like him ten years older, to be honest, Jack. I think the concept of balding Beckerman, the, balding. the concept That'd of balding amazing. Kyle Beckerman, is just—it's kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. What will he do? Uh, will, he, will he pretend that he's not bald and keep growing it down the back? Do yeah, the longer the back, the on top, will he shave you, it all off? I've not seen a dread comb over before. A dread over. <laughs> That would be a really novel thing. He's got it from the back, pull it over the... He could actually go from the back all the way over the front, Rog. Most people don't realize this. He kind of hides it, but he has dreadlocks totally coming out of his armpits. It's pretty awesome if you ever get a glimpse of it. <laughs> Tentacles. You, look. Tentacles. Look. Maybe he's pulled now and we just don't know. Maybe he's pulled now and he's just... He's already a lot, well along the way. We will be following that story and moving it, as, <laughs> as will most American soccer fans. For now, we are grateful to you. We wish you wonderful luck with the Scorch Trials, which I love, because in, uh, in the movie, the lead characters discover tattoos on their necks which assign them roles, like the leader, the partner, the glue, and to be killed by Group B, which sounds very, very, uh, yeah. very, very Spurs-influenced. But I, do, I love the notion yeah. of neck tattoos. Marcus Rojo, Eduardo Vargas, Sidney LaRue. You're clearly infiltrating football into every aspect of your work, James. That's right. It's all there. It's all hidden in, the, in, in between the lines. Yeah, good luck with the movie. Good luck with all of your future endeavours. And uh, even as a Chelsea fan, even though I am the personification of evil, good luck on Saturday at Stamford Bridge. Oh, thanks, guys. It was a real honour talking to you. I, I had a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks so much, James. It's very big of you. You're very gracious, David. I am. Well, also, I've, I've got to get it out early because I really don't know what is going to happen, Roger, and I fear for the worst. I tell you, when you have as many Arsenal supporting mates as I do, this is going to be an incredibly tough weekend, Rog. Oh, Dave, just know, I take no pleasure at all in any of this. Not new, Rog. Okay, there are many ways to connect to us. One 
is through our Amazon Emporium. Helps keep the show going anytime you go on Amazon for items, big or small, just click off the Emporium page. Men in Blazers gets a tiny percentage that allows us to cover the costs of creating and producing this podcast. What are you putting in the Emporium this week, Rog? A book. Oh, it's a book, book, book. News of a kidnapping yeah. by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Huh. Fueled by my addiction to Netflix narcos. Oh, yeah, they talk about him in the opening of I that. shouldn't say addiction. Yeah. Fueled by my adoration yeah. of Netflix narcos. Some would say addiction. I'm reading Marquez's journalistic retelling of the yeah. summer Pablo Escobar terrorised an entire nation yeah. by kidnapping dignitaries, holding yeah. them hostage, preventing the government from extraditing him to the United States It's of important to remember what a terrible man he was God. because, unfortunately, you find yourself watching Narcos. We've become so conditioned to watching the anti-hero, the, the, you know, the Tony Soprano, the Walter White. We've been so conditioned to rooting for these people. You end up rooting for Pablo Escobar. Oh, then no. you realise the awful things no, he I mean, did. You, you read this book and just what a megalomania, what mm-hmm. a dark and twisted brain he had. I mean, he, he displayed the small plane he used to export his first shipment of cocaine mm-hmm. by the entrance of his private zoo as if it was a national monument. Yeah. And he learned he could move around the country incognito mm-hmm. if he had a fake bus and it drove that along the real route with yeah. a bus full of his bodyguards pretending yeah. to be passengers. And he liked to take the wheel himself because it made him feel full of delight. I mean, it's a gut-wrenching book a journalistic book. It reads like a thriller. It's regrettably all too real and all the more horrific for it. And it, it teaches you what it's like to live in captivity and hopelessness. It's a national hell, David, that was wrought yeah. there. Netflix's Narcos, though, Rog, an amazing series. Just so simply told, simply written, simply acted, uh, just not overdone in any way. I find myself increasingly, I start watching drama series and I give up after a while because they're just, just too complex too flashy showing off too much roger just love the simplicity give me of football narcos. well i like football too but the writing roger you can't believe most of it david what are you putting in well i was going to put in another juicer rog <laughs> but i thought maybe i should wait a few weeks for putting in another juicer so instead i'm putting in a roku rog this weekend i was desperate for reasons that will become apparent over the next few weeks to watch the buffalo bills home opener <laughs> against me too, david. the indianapolis colts yep Quarterbacked by GFOP, Andrew, Andrew Luck. Luck. I don't have direct TV, Rog. And I couldn't figure any way. I couldn't believe that I've got so many screens and boxes and things in my home. I own almost every box you can own. But I couldn't figure out a way to go and watch the game. Massive search online. I realised that what I needed was a Roku. I ran 1.1 miles at about 12.30 down to Staples at Broadway and Vasey. Got myself the little Roku plug-in stick, came back, subscribed to sundayticket.tv. I'm charging this all to Embassy Row, Rog. And I uh, stuck the stick into the HDMI slot of the television, and I watched the Buffalo Bills defeat the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Fantastic game, Rog. Tyrod Taylor. Where do you put the stick when you ran home? Uh, I held it. It's so small, Rog. This is the advantage of the Roku. It's so small. It's no bigger than a fun, Rog. I just ran home with the stick. I sort of, a little bit like quarterbacked here. I ran it, scrambled home with the Roku sticks. That's what I'm putting in. Fantastic product. We talk about Roku every single week. And we talk about how the Men in Blazers show is available on Roku. And I've never known what it was. Now I know what it is. It's an excellent little device. Now you just need to find out what Reddit is. Yeah. Right, actually. No idea. (laughs) Or Calvin or Alex. No (laughs) idea what that is, Rog. Okay. 
Talking of Roku, you can now watch entire episodes of our crap TV show on NBC Sports Live Extra, Apple TV, or my Roku. Come over, Rog. We're on it, it, we're on it at 11 o'clock this week. Crap yeah. time, crap show. Yeah. It's also up on our website if you don't have a Roku, meninblazers.com. Also on meninblazers.com, a place to sign up for our newsletter, The Raven, which we produce with our partner Guinness. Check out our Spotify account, men underscore in underscore blazers, meninblazers.wikispaces.com forward slash a wonder of the modern world. You can find us on Twitter at Men in Blazers, at Rog Bennett, at Embassy Davies, on Instagram at Men in Blazers, at Embassy underscore Davies, and we've got a Facebook. We've got a subreddit too, Rog. Forget about Reddit. We've got a subreddit. Meninblazers.reddit.com, maintained by GFOP's Akshay Calvin and Alex. Alex. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Vendorpunk, Rog. War pig! Who wants to sex Matombo? Explosion! Courage! Take that, Gloria! Is that your analysis? Not anymore, it isn't. Oh, Corduroy is coming. Oh, is that what it's going to be? I like it. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Love you, Dave. Love you too, Rog. <laughs>